0: Awesome. Stay standing. Um, stay standing. I am just so incredibly proud of Pastor Josh and Lindsay. I, I can't tell you. Could, could you just turn me up a little bit? Because I'll just scream <laughs> if you don't do that. Um, and I was at the LSU game screaming last night. So I'd, I'd be screaming again. Um, But I I am so proud of uh, not only Pastor Bub and Tracy and what they've done, but the greatest thing you ever do is leave anything God gave you in better hands than you received it in. That's the best thing you'll ever do for your children. A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The Bible says a good name is better than gold, so the greatest inheritance you'll ever give your children... Is a good name, and uh, I, I think when Papa Cost, which is what I called him, uh, Josh's grandfather, who was the, one of the most generous men in the whole world, he never got a chance to fulfill his dream. For me, he started a business that that uh, eventually would take off, but his dream was to buy me a Camaro. A baby blue Camaro, and he always told me, he "said Jacob, when when I hit this big, and I was 19, traveling around preaching anywhere. I was preaching in Gator and Bayou Lafourche, and I mean anybody that would have me preach anywhere, I I would go and preach, and and I, that that was his dream when he made it. And uh, he went home to be with the Lord. We would just been given uh, the what is now the Broussard campus. Um, as a campground and he and josh's grandmother were coming and we were going to have the opening night event for those of you that are as old as me it was an al denison concert will you be the one to answer okay that's that's another message and and uh, they were going to come and and they were so excited that the lord had given us this facility in, in broussard this large facility and they were coming And on the way to come that day, the night before, they'd watched me on national TV with Billy Graham, held hands, cried, and thanked God for their investment in my life, as I have for all that they've done. And the next day, they were driving to Lafayette, and they went to go get their 30th, 35th anniversary ring, had a massive heart attack in the Galleria and, and went home to be with the Lord. So I am so proud of Pastor Josh. I am so proud of Lindsay. And let me tell you all a little inside story while you're standing about Lindsay. And since she's not here. Her mom was coming to our church. This was 17 years ago. Her mom was coming to our church. And Lindsay was graduating from high school. And she wanted to go anywhere but church. And she came walking into my office wearing some Daisy Dukes. How many remember Daisy Dukes? Come on. How many remember the Dukes of Hazard? Raise your hand. Then I know you didn't forget the girl. Last she was wearing Daisy Duke. Okay, now be healed, all right? And 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 Lindsay came in there and she sat across from me and she was so mad. She had her legs crossed like this, and she was just and I just said, I, I believe that God wants you to give him the first year. Out of high school. And uh, her mom was St. Martinville. Near where the Broussard campus was. And, 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 I, and I mean. She was just so agitated with me. And I think it was a combination. Of the Holy Spirit. And her mama threatening her life. And then I give you one. Even better than that. At that time. Pastor Josh actually liked another girl. That was in our church. And I called him over to me. And I said she's not the one. God's got something better for you. And I can tell you, fast-forwarding the movie almost 20 years later, how good God is. How good God is. So give your pastors a big hand. Don't you love them and appreciate them? You can be seated. Um, But I am so proud of your pastors and all that God has done. And so that you know, you're part of something that's so much bigger than just here, just as all of us are it began 17 years ago as now churches in uh, Mandeville, Gulfport, Metairie, uh, Lafayette, Opelousas, Broussard, Jennings, Eunice, Crowley, Lake Charles, now uh, Katy, Texas, Destin, Florida, St. Louis, Longview, Keller, Texas, and uh, when they gather this weekend, those 15 churches and 40 campuses, there'll be almost 50,000 people there this weekend. Amen. And they are a part of your spiritual family and they pray for you. Matter of fact, we put up a, a sign, but this big and pray for y'all every week in all of our services. So this weekend, while almost 7,000 people gather in Broussard and Opelousas and Lafayette, they will pray for you. So you're part of an incredible spiritual family where God is really touching our region and breaking the barriers of pride, poverty, and prejudice. We have almost 2,000 people in Opelousas, Louisiana. 50% black, 50% white, and 100% God. Amen. And it just, God is using all all of our church family all across, and you're 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 a part of all of that. And uh, if you ever travel, and people do all the time, they always ask, pastor, where, where do we have a church?" And it, it's amazing. Can I just tell y'all one little bitty story that 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 just shows you the power of spiritual family? I think. Most of you know that uh, Michelle and I lost our 20-year-old son a year ago on September 11th. He was tragically killed on Kali Saloom, a half a mile from our home. Well, about about a year before, well, actually it wasn't a year, it was 10 months before he went home to be with the Lord. He just decided that he didn't want to be in Lafayette or in Acadiana because everywhere he went, he was Pastor Jacob's son. So he wanted to go somewhere where he wasn't Pastor Jacob's son. So I did remind him that's nowhere. He would always be my son, but he wanted to go somewhere where no one, you know, would know him by his last name. And so, um, you know, you're a parent, your son's 19 years old, trying to find his place in this world and all of that. And, uh, probably none of you've ever had children like that. Have you <laughs> probably just Mexican children? I know that are like that. And so, and so he, he, he said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave, and, and, and I'm not even going to tell y'all where I'm going to go, and I'm going to go find my way on my own. And, of course, as a parent, part of you as a man is good. I'm glad you want to be your own man. But the other part of you is we want to be a part of you winning. And we know that unless you have our input, most likely you're going to lose. And all the parents said, and all the children, shut up. And so he he decided that, that that and then and then one of the I'd let a Buddhist businessman to Christ that owned all the Papa Johns in Lafayette and now the Meshes Donuts and, and and he sat down with him and he was a new Christian Chinese and he go Why do you want to do that to your father Why do you want to do that to your mother Do all your parents love you so very much So they convinced him to let us know where he was going to move so. His brother told him that wherever he wanted to move, he would take him. And then finally, the time that he wanted to go was the time when his brother was off, not working. So his brother decided he wasn't going to take him. How many of you know brothers that tell you anything? (laughs) And so the time came, and it was actually during Mardi Gras week that that he wanted to move. And so uh, I I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I know that uh, Joseph said he was going to take you, but daddy will take you wherever you want to go. I'll, I'll drive you wherever it is so sure enough i mean you know my daddy i'm praying that he comes to his senses and all the parents said Amen. and all of you younger shut up <laughs> and so i'm praying that he comes to his senses and and so sure enough the, the, the monday uh, the first day of mardi gras he goes daddy um i want to go to clean texas i said to where he said, Killeen, Texas. I said, why not Baton Rouge? Why not Houston? Why not? I mean, why Colleen, Texas? He said, I Googled what is the cheapest place in Texas to live, and Colleen, Texas came up. <laughs> Gospel truth. Gospel truth. So I said, all right. You sure you don't want to go to Baton Rouge? No. Sure you don't want to go to Houston? No. All right. Next day, loaded up everything that he had, which wasn't much. And we drove all the way to Killeen, Texas. We bought him a bike, a bicycle. Okay. That would be his transportation. So he was a manager at Papa John's. And and, and so the guy told him he could get a job anywhere at Papa John's. So we drive all the way, seven and a half hours to Killeen, Texas. I may have ever been to Killeen. Um, uh, Fort Hood is there, and so we drive in and uh, we go and 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 we 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 pull into a hotel that I booked, of course, that I'm paying for <laughs> shut up right. and and so we'll, we we get there and and I look over at him, and I said, uh, son, we've just got into the hotel room I said, um, I know tomorrow we're going to find you a job." And we're going to find you a place to live. Um, but who chose Colleen, Texas? He said, What do you mean? I said, Where did Daddy want you to go? He said, Baton Rouge, Houston. I said, Okay, who chose Colleen, Texas? He said, I did. I said, Okay, you're sure? And he said, sitting on the opposite bed across from me, he goes, yeah, I'm sure. I said, well, good, because our newest church plant is in Colleen, Texas, and the pastor's about to come by here in 10 minutes to pick me up for dinner. Would you like to go? <laughs> and he sat down and looked at me, and he goes, I, I can't. I can't even believe this. The place that he wanted to get a job at, he couldn't get a job at. And he ended up getting a job at the other Papa John's, which was a five-minute bike ride away from the church. (laughs) And uh, in the last year of his life, that man became his pastor. You never outgive God. Never. Never. Never, 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 never. And when you invest in the kingdom of God, you don't meet a need. You meet the need that meets needs for a long, long time to come. And I know that y'all have a building next door. And I know that how many of you are excited about what God has yeah. been doing here? The growth. I'm believing, God, that God will open up the windows of heaven on you so that some of you will have the privilege of some of the people that have helped us so much over the years. When we opened up the Lafayette campus, we had 200 people. The first Sunday we opened up a new $13 million building. There was 1,000 people and there was never less since. In one week. Each time that you expand, God increases what he desires to give you. And so I pray that God blesses you. I pray that many of you have been praying about what you need to do for that building. Pastor Josh didn't ask me to say that, but I've just been there. I've been there. We need $13 million for Opelousas. We need $6.7 million for Lafayette and $2 million for Broussard right now. So dear Lord, please help him get the other $350,000 for this building. So y'all can join us praying about a real need. Father, I pray for many that are here. I pray their businesses would prosper. I pray that you would open up supernatural resources to them. And I pray that their prayer would be, Father, if you can get it to me, you can get it through me. If you can get it to me, you can get it through me. So that as you open up the windows of heaven, they'll know this is for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Now, let me give you one last part of this story before I preach my message that's even better than all of I just told you. Um, the evening that my son was, was hit just a half a mile away from our home on, on his, on his motorcycle, um, lady pulled out of the grand 14, didn't see him and, and it hit him. And, uh, one of the great, as a parent, I know everyone here like me, you know, you, you think first it's tragic that your child would pass away. But secondly, in the middle of the street with no one with him a half a mile from your home. So, two days after he passed away, we got a knock at our door, and uh, an African-American couple came in from our Opelousis campus, and they said, we have a story to tell you. They began to go through the story of their day and the unusual circumstances that happened, and they actually saw the accident. And this man, who's one of our worship, volunteer worship leaders, ran up and was with my son, praying with him to the moment he went to be with the Lord. Many years ago, God made me a promise. If you will build my house, I'll build yours. And if you care for my children, I'll care for yours. And that promise is true for every child of God that will claim it for themselves. If you build God's house, he'll build your house. If you care for God's kids, He'll always care for yours. Now, some of you just got the free songs when I said that, didn't you? How many got the free songs when I said that? That word was for you. It, it was for you. Probably, perhaps the, the, the worst disease you could ever think about anyone getting today. And someone tell me how much time I have before I get into my message. No, I know. I know you have another service after this. What time do I need to? What time does the next service, Pastor Josh? Ten forty-five. So in one hour, another group of people will be seated just like this, and they will not enjoy it as much as these people will. But they will. They're not as wonderful as these. No. This is the best-looking crowd. This is the biggest givers here. Yeah, this is. Five of y'all don't believe it. All right, here we go. Probably uh, when, when you think of the most terrible disease anyone could ever get today, it would be AIDS. Because you know that, that, that outside of a, of a miracle from God, that, that there is probably a 10-year lifespan, and that's if you get all the best medication and all of those other things. But during biblical times, it, it was not AIDS or cancer. But during biblical times, a disease that if you heard or were pronounced with this disease or diagnosed with it, the ultimate sentence was not only death, but death alone. Death alone. Probably one of the most horrific things when people think about death is being alone. I know many people that say, Pastor, uh, I don't ever want to be put in a casket water because I'm afraid I'm claustrophobic. I don't ever want to be alone. And you're going to, but you you won't even... (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. Where are you from? Me. Yeah. Jennings. Jennings. All right, People in Jennings know. You won't even know it. And, but, but, but when biblical times, the worst thing that could ever happen to you was for you to be diagnosed with a disease called leprosy. leprosy. Now, how many of you know anything about leprosy? Raise your hand. Now, there was the longest surviving leper colony in the United States was right here in Louisiana. How many of you knew about that? Where is it? Carville, Louisiana. Now, they shut it down actually just a few years ago. But I don't know if you know this, but I am an expert on leprosy. My grandmother had leprosy and I had an aunt and an uncle that had leprosy. So growing up in Houston... I would go with them often all the way from Houston to Carville, Louisiana, and, and would stay at the leper colony. I've since gone back and preached there. And one of the things I discovered that I didn't know about leprosy, leprosy, or what they call uh, Hodgkin's disease now. with Hansen's or Hodgkins? Which one's? Hansen's disease? Okay, wh- where are you from? Jettings, too. Okay, good. People from Jennings know everything. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, when, when I got there, I learned a lot that, that I didn't know. Matter of fact, the reason that I went is my uncle told me, he said, they have this place and you can go and you can fish and they have little uh, paddling canoes and you can play all the ping pong you want and you can play tennis and you can swim and everything's free. I was a Mexican kid from the hood. That sounded like heaven to me. <laughs> free, food, free food. Let's go. And so I, I, I went with them. And, and when I got there, they said, but there's one thing that's going to have to happen. I said, what's that? He said, they're going to give you a leprosy test. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, you'll find out. So... First day that I get there, they go in for their testing, and I go in, and they take me into a room, and they take a little bitty razor blade, and they take a portion of my ear, and they just prick it. Just nick it. And I went, ow, that hurt. The lady said, that's good. Said, why? They said, because when you get leprosy, what would happen during biblical times is your skin would turn white, and then a wound, not just a sore, a wound would begin in your body. And what it would do is, it was contagious by touching it. But what it would do is, as soon as that happened, you would go to the priest, who was the doctor at that time, during biblical times, and if they saw that you had leprosy, you were called unclean, labeled unclean. And you were put outside of the city, and you could never come within a hundred yards of anyone that was healthy. And you lived in leper colonies. And you lived at the mercy of everyone that was there. You didn't go to weddings and funerals anymore. You didn't see your grandchildren. You didn't see. All of that was done because of these open sores that were on your body. And you would live separated in a leper colony and die in isolation unless you were miraculously, some way, healed. Today, I want to talk to you about spiritual leprosy. I want to talk to you about spiritual leprosy, and I want to give you a story that reminds us how spiritual leprosy can keep wounds open and destroy our life. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. It says, And then he said to his disciples, It is, what's the next word? Say it loud. Say it louder. How many of you know if Jesus says something's impossible? If the person to whom all things are possible says something is, then it's impossible. If the person that says with God all things are possible can also say this is impossible, that means it's impossible. He's the only one that could reverse that possibility. Jesus says, it is impossible that no offenses should come to you. But woe to him to whom they come. It would be better for him if the large stone that was used to grind, a millstone, were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea, then he should, what? Offend one of these little ones. And then he says this. Let's read these next four words together. Take heed. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven, seven times a day and seven times a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall, shall be Unless he does it the eighth time. <laughs> and the apostle said to the Lord, we we are we are What? What? Okay, Lord, you want me to forgive them? Okay, I got got that. All right. You want me to forgive them if they they hurt me twice doing the same thing? You want me to forgive them if they do the same thing seven times during a day? Lord, you better pray for me. Increase my faith right now. (laughs) Increase our faith. And then Jesus goes on to say, If you have the faith... As little as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, you can say to this mulberry tree, you can say to that, remember that, be plucked up by the roots and be planted into the sea and it will, what? Obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's come in from the field, come at once, sit down and eat. But no, you would rather say to him, prepare my supper. And then gird yourself and serve me till I've eaten and drunk. And afterwards you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did that which was what? I don't think so, Jesus says. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are. What is Jesus commanding us to do in this story? Say it loud. Forgive. 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 So you say we are unprofitable servants and we have done that which was our duty. Now it happened that when he was on the way to Jerusalem, he passed through the middle of Samaria, Galilee, and there entered in a certain village and there met him. Ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when they saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And this man was a half-breed, a Samaritan. So Jesus said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was there only found, not found, only one to come and give glory to God except this stranger? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. King James says, made you whole. What is Jesus teaching us and why are these two stories united together? I believe they're united together because God is telling us via Jesus... That unforgiveness and leprosy are just alike. That they will contaminate you. And not only will they contaminate you, they will contaminate others that touch you. Anybody ever been contaminated by somebody else's unforgiveness? Hey, I just met so-and-so at church. What did they do? I just met them. They didn't do anything. Well, it's a good thing you better watch out, because you don't know what they might do. Well, what, what do, what, what do you mean? Well, you'll know what I mean. What are they doing? They're taking their open wound and rubbing it on you. And listen carefully. As a Christian, I can live with scars. That's wounds that were healed. But I cannot live with wounds. I can't live with wounds. I can't live with open unforgiveness oozing out of me because everyone that I come in contact with, it contaminates them too. It becomes like the leprosy. What is Jesus teaching his disciples in this passage? Number one, it's impossible to do life and not be offended. It's impossible to do life and not be offended. Somebody is going to offend you. How many of you have been offended this week? Raise your hand. How many of you have been offended this weekend? Raise your hand. How many of you, I've already offended you. Raise your hand. Listen. Jesus said it's impossible that you not get your feelings hurt. People not misunderstand you. You not misunderstand others. You not get what people are meaning. Someone cut you off. Listen, you can't even drive even around through Jennings today. I tell the people in our church, don't put a church bumper sticker from our church on your car. I don't even want one on my car. I'm going to put like a crossroad sticker on my car. (laughs) driving, you know, you're driving and you're, you're going to church. You ever get behind somebody slow going to church and you're trying to get there on time. They don't care. They're late everywhere. And so you, 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 I mean, I was behind somebody and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going down Kai saloon and I want to go around them and the lane's small and they don't know. And I got to get there and people are waiting on me and I can't believe that they're going that slow. And I'm thinking there's Sunday drivers. and I think it's Sunday. And so I, I'm just, I'm, and then you file them, and then finally, and you're pulling up near the church, and you're thinking, and all of a sudden, they turn in right in front of me, and they go to church too. <laughs> Forget living with people, I get offended with people driving by me. Jesus said, it's impossible that offenses not come. What does the word offense mean? The word offense actually is a Greek word which makes reference to, look at this, a bait set on the inside of a trap. A better word would be a snare. How many of you know those opossum snares that you catch? That's really what it is. So every time you're offended, it's an opportunity for the enemy to say, come in here, take this, because the moment you take it, you're trapped by unforgiveness. The moment you take it, that very second that you reach down and you begin to eat of what the enemy has sent to you, that moment you're snared, you're trapped, they're stumbling stones. Here's the second thing Jesus is teaching us. Forgiveness is not rooted in your faith in people. It's rooted in your faith in God. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 17. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said, increase our faith. The the disciples knew that to have that kind of capacity to forgive, you don't get that from other people. I don't care how much you love somebody. If somebody does the same thing to you seven times a day, we go into blows. We can forgive later, but we're going to fight now. Do you see residing inside of you and residing inside of me is there is not enough capacity to forgive people who do that to you. There's not enough capacity inside of me. And here's one of the great powers of unforgiveness. Listen to me. God gives forgiveness to you so he can give forgiveness through you. Of course you're incapable of this on your own. I give you one better than that. You're incapable of living the Christian life on your own. That's why Christ must live it through you. And the goal is not you doing better, it's you surrendering. Yes. Now, just so you all know, when, when I preach at any of our four campuses, when I say something good, they clap. But I just thought I'd tell you that. A little inside. You, you, you know, people have told me before, Pastor, you know, I mean... Uh, Uh, they'll come to church. Um, I'm coming to this church and I'm new, but I just want you to know, um, I I have been hurt in other churches. You know what that means? There was people there. (laughs) Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses not come. And for some of you that go, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just be by myself then. Then you'll be mad at everybody that's not calling you. <laughs> I believe that God by design allowed you to be offended so that you could extend to others the very same thing he continually extends to you. Yes. My church would have clapped in. It takes faith in God to forgive others. It's not the amount of faith. Jesus said it's a mustard seed. You can have a lot of faith in the wrong person. It's not the amount of faith. It's the object of your faith. It's the object of your faith. The object of our faith is Jesus. And because God is the object of our faith, it doesn't matter. Even a little bit of faith in a big God goes a long way. And a lot of faith in an unreliable person doesn't go anywhere. Number three, forgiving others is not an option. It's obedience. Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, when that servant comes in from the outside and he'd been working all day and his master looks at him, does he look at him and say, hey, you sit down and eat? He says, no. You go, you wash yourself and you feed me. And then you go and you do and you feed yourself. And when you get to the end of the day, do you think you expect something great? No, you will say, he will say, you did exactly what you were expected to do. Can I tell you this? There's some of you here that think. Yeah, Pastor, but but like on a scale. Like I've done like like this much, like that, like 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 a like ten pounds worth of stuff, but like they did like a million pounds to me. And I forgave them like a million pounds. Jesus, put a star on my chart. Listen carefully. People who struggle forgiving others. It's not others' sin they can't forget. It's theirs they can't remember. It's their sin they can't remember. Forgiveness or forgiving others is not an option. It's obedience. Number four. Only the forgiven can truly Forgive. You know, when when the leper came back, Jesus looked at the one Samaritan leper, and I won't go into detail about the Samaritans, but the Samaritans were simply a group of people that were considered half-breeds. They were Jews who intermarried Gentiles, and they were ostracized by the Jews, so they put them outside, and they created an area called Samaria. So that, that, that was basically half-breed bill. Wasted their spiritual legacy bill to people. And here's what Jesus said. He said, is there only one person that's come to give back to give glory to God? Look at me. When I forgive other people when they don't deserve it, that brings glory to God. It is. Yeah. That brings glory to God. People go, you forgave them? Because God forgave me, and He gave forgiveness to me, so He could give forgiveness through me. Can can I tell you this? There's nothing harder than living with one person for a lifetime in marriage. Well, there's a woman that. that, that, How how long? How long have you been married? (laughs) It's impossible that offense does not come. Eight years. Hey, Can I tell you this? Well, eight's a number of new beginning. Good, maybe i come a new start now after today. Listen to me. It's impossible. Do you know what? We all marry opposites. Oh, I know when you marry them, they go, oh, you like to hunt? Oh, I love to go deer hunting. Oh, I love to get in the blind. Oh, I love it. And they get dressed up and cute and camouflage makeup and everything. And you take a little selfie and they all go out in the blind. Once you marry them and you go, honey, it's time to get... Shut up! (laughs) I'm going to go by myself. Okay, listen. It is impossible... It is impossible that offenses not come. But remember, only the forgiven can truly forgive. Here's number five. When I obey God and forgive others, I release my faith. You know why? Because no one ever forgives because they feel like it. No one ever forgives when they feel like it. As a matter of fact, when the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't think that was an emotion. I don't think God just said, what? Well, man, I'm just, I'm just in love with the world. Let me just give him. Real love. Is choosing the highest good for someone else, regardless of what it costs you. It is. It is. And sometimes it's tough love, isn't it, Mom and Daddy? Sometimes it's, I know you're struggling, and I got the money to help you, but if I bail you out one more time, the same thing that happened to you before is going to happen to you again, and I love you too much. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Daddy or Mama. It's not God. When I obey God, I release my faith. Obedience begins with us obeying God's word. It's amazing about the men that he healed of leprosy, he didn't heal them immediately. He said, Go show yourself to the priest, because the only way that you could actually go back into society is if the same people, the priests, who were like the doctors, saw you and pronounced you unclean. They saw you and pronounced you clean. And then you had to go through a ceremonious bathing, it was an eight day process. So these people that had been away from their wives, their children, their grandchildren, weddings, funerals, mamas, daddies, who couldn't wait. They lived with the dream of one day I could be with my children. One day I can see my grand. One day I can hold my baby again. One day I can see that new grandchild. Those people who lived with that dream. As soon as they went and they were showing themselves to the priest, while they were on the way, the Bible says they were healed you know I've discovered about most healing? It usually comes when I'm obeying. God doesn't heal me so that I will obey. I obey and while I obey, the healing comes. Yes. Yes. While you're on the way. So when you go and you begin to forgive others, like I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, all those people that have been into your mind. How many of you know what Instagram is? How many of you know an Instagram, you know, you're just scrolling and people just pop up, right? You, you know, what has been happening to you while I've been preaching this message. All the Instagram people you don't like have been popping up in your mind. And God is reminding you of the people that offended you. They misjudged your motives. They said something about you. They didn't invite you. They didn't act like they didn't like you. They fired you. They didn't hire you. They divorced you. They left you. They used you a long time ago. All of those things, those people are there. When I obey God and forgive others, I release my faith. I release my faith. God starts healing me. Our job is to forgive. God's job is to heal us on the way. Quit praying. God, if you heal me and give me the capacity to forgive, then I will. Go and obey and watch God take that mustard seed of obedience and multiply it to an act of true forgiveness. Okay, and then finally, number six. It's not my love for others that causes me to forgive them. It's my love for God. It's my love for God. You don't forgive people because you love them. You forgive them because you love God. Yes. Amen. You don't forgive people because you love them. Because many of us have done that. Hey. You know, I, I cut you off. I'm not going to deal with you. If I don't deal with you, I don't have to deal with the pain. I don't have to be hurt again. I don't have to be wounded again. I don't have to subject myself and others I love to this ever happening to them again. Have you ever said that like I have? Let me say that one more time. Have you ever said that like I have? Aren't you glad God never said that to you? If I don't forgive you again, if God said, if I don't forgive you again, then I don't have to deal with you and you can't hurt me again. We live in the age of communication. I can FaceTime somebody in Africa right now, see their face. A soldier in Afghanistan can FaceTime his three year old child tonight before they go to bed. Isn't that amazing? I can text message, email, Instagram, MySpace, YourSpace, Vine, Divine, all Vines, stupid <laughs> stuff. Snapchat, your chat, my chat. And do you know what? People are lonelier than they've ever been before in history. More methods of communication and people are lonelier. It's not because they can't access people. It's because we are the most wounded generation in history. Our parents got divorced. Somebody molested or used us. And all of this communication isn't anything but something else to scream to us, no one cares about you. And that you can scroll through Instagram and Facebook and think that you're communicating with people that don't even know you. Listen carefully to me everybody's been hurt before nobody's been hurt more than god and yet god is the one who continues to forgive the first commandment the first commandment is that you shall love the lord your with all of your mind soul and strength and the second one is as How many of you want to be sure that God has forgiven you? Then you better be sure that you've loved your neighbor the same way. You know that prayer that you love to pray and hate to think about? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our... As we... As we, as we. God, release me as we release others. Forgive me as we, as I forgive others. You see, forgiveness is is giving up the right To hurt other people for hurting you. Forgiveness is even giving up the right. To not protect yourself again. From them hurting you. Today. I want to ask you. As I've been speaking. Who has the Holy Spirit brought to your mind? It may be when you were 13. It may be when you were 33. And it may have been your nasty husband you had to drag to church today. <laughs> the children you were beaten on the way to church. <laughs> the child you left because you were mad at him. I don't know who it is, but you do. And I know what many of you are saying, Pastor, I, I don't have the capability. of do- I, I really don't, Pastor. You're right, you don't. But if you'll take your mustard seed and obey, then on the way, on the way, God will not only use His grace to help you forgive them, He will heal you of all you've been holding on to as well. So I want you in your mind, I want you to bow your head with me. I want you in your mind to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the people to your mind. Identify the people that, that you need to forgive. You remember what they did. You remember what they said. You remember how it came out. You remember how the news came to you. And then I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you right now for holding on to this hurt. For holding on, saying, Lord, I can't do it. I I, I can't. I can't. And the Lord is telling you, if you will obey Him, on the way to obedience, God will give you the power to forgive them. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're hearing you say, Pastor, I, I know the people that I need to forgive. The Holy Spirit's been very clear to me while you've been talking. I know who it is. that you. Would you lift your hand all over this place? Come on. Lift it up high. All over. All right. Put your hands down. I'm going to ask everyone here in this whole building to pray with me. And we're going to release these people. And God, by His Spirit, is going to set you free. He's going to set you free. So I want everyone to pray out loud with me in this whole building. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus. forgive forgive me. One who has been forgiven so much. For not forgiving others, for falling into the trap, for holding on to the bait, I ask you in the name of Jesus forgive me, wash me in your blood. Today, I take my mustard seed of faith. And I plant it in your character. That when I obey you, you will do through me what I could never do myself. Today, in the name of Jesus, I forgive and release. And under your breath, I want you to name the people just under your breath. And as long as God brings different people to your mind, name them. As long as he brings them to your spirit, different people, name them. Now I want you to say this. For what they've done, for what they've said, for what they didn't do, to me and those I love, I forgive them. I released them. Is you forgiven and released me? Today, Lord Jesus, I forgive myself for doing things I promised myself I would not do. You have forgiven me. What right do I have to not forgive myself? Today, I obey your word with your spirit and your power. I am forgiven. I am loosed. I am free. And so are all those who have sinned against me. I release them and free them as you freed me. In Jesus' name, amen.